Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And man, do we got a lot to discuss, a lot going on right now. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. LibertyRoundTable.com. LovingLiberty.net, our nationally syndicated radio network, spreading the word of liberty 24-7 around the clock. Not only is Liberty Roundtable live six days a week via that venue, LovingLiberty.net, but there's other talk show hosts around the clock doing a phenomenal job as well. Kate Dowling, Beth Ann Schoenenberg, C.L. Bryant, just to name a few. Um, Washington Watch, Mr. Perkins, and many others just doing a great, great job. Tony Perkins, that is, I should say. Mr. Perkins doing a great, great job uh, with Washington Watch. Um, anyway, just a lot of great commentary, great, great talk show hosts. Um, by the way, you can get our phone apps on LovingLiberty.net as well. Get the Android or the iPhone app. Download it. It's free. On demand or live radio. I should say and live radio, so live and on demand. Uh, you can give feedback. You can donate. You can follow our Twitter feed and a whole lot more. LovingLiberty.net. All right, a quick recap of yesterday's broadcast. Of course, we had James Edwards on with us. James Edwards is a talk show host in his own right, does an incredible program on the weekends called ThePoliticalCesspool.org. He's also an author. He wrote the book called Racism, a Shamacism, uh, basically just demonstrating how they call everybody a racist. And uh, if you fall for that narrative, they take you out of the game with that. They sideline you. They make you out to be a nobody, a worthless. Uh, it, 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 and most white people just fall for it. And then try to defend themselves. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not a racist. Come on, I got a black friend. And then you say all kinds of stupid stuff as if you have a token black friend or this or that. And the fix is in if you fall for it. What you got to do is just smile and go, you lie, but we move on. And you stick to the issues and you stand for liberty. And Americans over time see the truth. Anyway, James talks about race and all kinds of equality issues in America. Why can every other race advocate for their race, and they're not racist, but if a white person does it, they're somehow a supremacist, a racist. James Edwards, Race, Politics, and Hypocrisy in 21st Century America. ThePoliticalCesspool.org is his website. Well, anyway, yesterday, James breaks down the Charlottesville Unite the Right Rally and Trial. The SLAP, S-L-A-P-P suit was brought by the nonprofit group, it's called Integrity First for America. It's a just an extreme liberal uh, progressive organization. You used to think IFA was like your farm store. Not anymore, baby. It's a group that just wants to slap lawsuits on people. And you know, I don't know what a slap suit is. Slap equals strategic lawsuit 
against public participation. In other words, it is a nothing but a, a goal to shut down and stifle free speech that you disagree with. So if I have a lot of money and I don't like your speech, what I do is slap, S-L-A-P-P, this suit on you. It's a slap suit where I don't really want to redress of grievances. You haven't really harmed me. But what I want to do is just shut you down, bankrupt you, and just put you flat out on the ropes. That's what these slap lawsuits are about. That's what I believe are going on in Charlottesville right now. Donald Trump said there were both troublemakers and good people on both sides of the conflict in Charlottesville. And I think he's right as rain about that. I think there were bad apples on both sides. I think there were people that took uh, the law into their own hands and took actions uh, of violence, which they should not have done. But I also think there was great people on both sides trying to do their best. Some believe that the statues preserving America's history are racist and evil. That's what they've been taught their whole lives in the government schools, right? Others feel like those statues are really a representation of who we are as a people, uh, and their heroes are being destroyed. I get the feelings on both sides. I also get the bad people exploited the situation. But I wonder whether it's bad people on both sides exploiting the situation, or I wonder if government provocateurs uh, were in the mix. It seems like in Charlottesville, no one's really been able to finger government provocateurs. I don't know how many people are spending time looking into that, but they certainly ought to. I will tell you that right now. Uh, Anyway, very interesting. But James Edwards doing a great job. He's been listening to the trial because of COVID. You can't go. Most people can't get into the trial. But they they provided a phone line, and and James Edwards, well-known talk show host and author and reporter and everything else, listening to literally every word for the last three weeks on this thing. Uh, It's been like 17, quote, court days thus far. Uh, As far as I understand, the prosecution just rested. Um, now the defendants are taking the stage, but they're not going to take very long, I'm told. And I don't understand why uh, they're not going to really highlight some of these reality checks. But uh, time will tell. Um, anyway, that's the deal. Uh, but the mainstream press is being very, very, very unfair. Uh, what they're doing from Vice to the Associated Press to BuzzFeed News uh, and beyond, they're really basically just talking about this guy who used his car and ran into a bunch of people and killed a, a woman. Heather uh, killed Heather. And, you know, the problem with this narrative is that <clears throat> twofold problem. One, um, it's been said that he didn't really try to kill anybody. What he tried to do was flee. Uh, his car was being pummeled and he was f- fearing for his life uh, when Antifa and others were, were attacking him and his vehicle. So he punched it in an effort to get away from them. And the car got away from him and he ran into people unintentionally. Now, I don't know the truth. I haven't talked to the gentleman, uh, but that's what they say. But what they've done is put this guy in basically prison for life because he killed somebody. But now they're bringing him into this trial, too. What for? I don't really know. Uh, Nevertheless, it makes the prosecution and the media in bed with the prosecution have the ability to really double down and go, yeah, everybody's a white supremacist. Yeah, everybody's a Nazi. Yeah, everybody loves Hitler. Yeah, everybody killed the... Well, Miss Innocent over here, and, 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 and man, it's really bad, and everybody's basically a murderer. And even though they're not literally saying that outright, that's what the inferences are. Okay, so the worst person that gets on the stand and says the most crazy stuff, then that's the person that, well, that and the guy that murdered everybody in the car. See, that's what white supremacists, that's what extreme, that's what Hitler lovers do. That's what Nazis do. And so they've really taken this narrative to the ramped-up crazy degree. 
Whereas, you know what? There's a few people saying crazy things. I'm so sorry about that accident that did occur, how it occurred, and by who and what. And I don't know that. But all I'm telling you is I'm sad that somebody died. I'm sad that there was violence. I'm sad about all that. But let's be honest, open, and fair about free speech rights, about someone's right to peacefully assemble, about someone's right for self-defense. And let's be very clear about a conspiracy to commit violence. Um, That's a very hard thing to prove. And uh, what we need to do is be very careful in America that we don't jump to conclusions, that we realize people are innocent until proven guilty. But the mainstream press in bed with the prosecution on this side, they have literally already painted a picture of guilt before you can ever even get a chance to defend yourself. So that's what's going on in this case. Uh, James Edwards listening to the case now. Uh, Hopefully he'll be chiming in to break things down for us a little bit more next hour. And if he can, he'll jump in a little bit early and brief us, too, depending on what happens in the case. We're waiting for Rich Hamlin, uh, I think, to testify, uh, who we know well uh, and who is, um, I don't know what you want to call it. He's on the milder side of this discussion compared to some. At the same time, he's not apologizing for who he is. Neither is James Edwards. Neither am I. Um, Look, I'm not a white supremacist. I don't hate people. I lead with the clarion call for civility. That's who I am, right? But I'm still willing to report on this case, primarily because I don't believe it's being dealt with fairly in the media at all. And somebody's got to tell the other side of the story, for crying out loud. Somebody. I'm not really telling one or the other side of the story. I'm doing my very best to be honest about what's really happening. And here's the fact. You ready? People are innocent until proven guilty. That is a fact. Here's the other fact. Every individual needs to be tried individually. Why they've got this massive trial where witnesses galore parading across the stage, I don't know. But they got this massive trial. It's got nine groups and 24 defendants in it, for example. Something's amiss with that. Um, the inference that, A, the prosecution's just good old boys doing the best they can to have honesty and accountability is bogus. The idea that everybody's a complete Hitler-loving, white supremacist, extreme uh, hater, Using the court for their own personal stage is a bogus, false, dishonest narrative. The truth is the prosecution has plenty of cash. And the truth is it's a slap lawsuit. And the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, these these poor defendants, 24 of them from nine groups, you know what? They have beliefs all over the map just like everyone does. Some of them may be more guilty than others. Some of them may be more um, loose-lipped with their speech, but that doesn't mean they had a conspiracy to commit violence. See, you got to separate these issues and you can't put them all in the same, oh, they're all identical. They're all just one. And you certainly can't say they all committed a conspiracy. Maybe a couple did. I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, the majority didn't. The majority are fairly good people. Nine times out of 10, it's a bad actor or two that ruins the whole thing. And that's what I submit's going on here. Uh, but why don't we have a lawsuit the other direction against Antifa? And again, okay, that's the kind of the problem here going on. All right, anyway, enough of that. <laughs> we'll get more to it when James Edwards returns with more details. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. I'm only halfway through the recap of yesterday's show, and, man, we got a lot of news that Edwards refused to use today to go as well. Hang tight. Hard-hitting talk in seconds. I am Sam Bushman. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? 
Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, why are some of my seals are gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. James Edwards keeping me up to date by email on the Charlottesville trial. And there's a big argument in front of the judge on whether Rich Hamlin can testify or not. Anyway, James will be coming on the broadcast with us to break us down in more detail second hour. Uh, in the meantime, we're just doing the best we can here. But I'm uh, in, the, in the middle of the recap of yesterday's show. Man, it was a killer broadcast. James broke down the Charlottesville case. Weeks of testimony all crammed into one hour, kind of summarized uh, to the best of our ability. We'll keep an eye on this case. we got a lot of other cases we're following as well. But yesterday's second hour was the Brighty on TV, the Sheriff Mack show, Liberty Roundtable live simulcast. And we had our guest on, Union County, Oregon Sheriff Cody Bowen. Doing a great job in the union job. Wow. And the Union County Sheriff sends letter to Governor Kate Brown in response to the mask and vaccine mandates. Wow. Mask and vaccine mandates recently enacted by the Oregon governor. She's out of control. And the sheriff called her on the carpet like nobody's business. He started out civil enough, said, hey, I want to, you know, have, let's have a dialogue about this. But then Sheriff Cody Bowen finishes by saying this. We will raise our children how we see fit. We will choose to wear a mask or choose not to wear a mask. We will choose to get vaccinated or choose not to get vaccinated. Your mindless dictates will no longer be tolerated. Amen to the sheriff, ladies and gentlemen, on that score. Archives. Of the simulcast of the Sheriff Mac Show and Liberty Roundtable Live Hour 2 can be found at libertyroundtable.com, lovingliberty.net, or if you want the video, brighteon.tv. 
TV. Check that all out. There you have that, and that's a recap of the broadcast that took place yesterday uh, as well. All right, there's so much to cover, so little time, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about this um, Kyle Rittenhouse trial a little bit. The jury deliberations begin now. As, what do they call this place? Kenosha, is that how you say it? Uh, Braces for the verdict. And people are saying it doesn't matter how this thing goes. There's going to be people literally rioting in the streets, kind of crazy on this thing. I pray not. But they say it'll be up to 12 jury members to determine whether Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty of the homicide and attempted homicide charges. Um, I guess it's in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And um, they say that the Kyle Rittenhouse trial was set to begin deliberating on Tuesday after lawyers from both sides made their final arguments. It'll be up to 12 jury members to determine what happens, whether he's guilty of the first degree, intentional homicide of Anthony Humer, or Huber, I guess is how you say it, first degree reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, and attempted first degree intentional homicide of Gage Crosscripts. Remember, um, Gage, I think, is the guy that said, I pulled a gun on Kyle. So it's a very rough discussion here. Rittenhouse, then 17 years old, shot the three men during a violent night in Kenosha um, last August, following days of protests. After, now listen to this, and here's kind of the interesting twist to this. After a white police officer wounded Jake Blake, a black man, in a shooting. Now, here's the problem. I think a lot of people are deceived thinking that Kyle killed a black man. White Kyle killed a black man. That's not true. Rittenhouse's defense is that it's a self-defense case. Right? And the now 18-year-old, believe it or not, took the stand to say he feared for his life that night. Now, that's interesting because usually... Um, better part of Alice says don't take the stand in this case. It just doesn't do you good. But he did take the stand. Stand. He said he feared for his life. And some of the cross-examined witnesses were forced to admit at least one of them that he pulled a gun on Kyle first. Prosecutors, however, have cast Rittenhouse as a, quote, vigilante who came to Kenosha looking for trouble and used unreasonable, excessive deadly force in anticipation of the potential for violence. After the verdict, anyway, I guess they say that they were already sending 500-plus troops there. Kyle didn't need to go. He was looking for a fight. That's the prosecution's view. I guess the jury will also be allowed to consider lesser counts, lesser points. Um, I guess they say Rittenhouse brought a gun to a fist fight is how they describe it. And created an active shooter situation. But that's not really the deal. 
All right, Kyle was not an active shooter. That's a buzzword, they say. And they say Rosenbaum was really the bad man. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> they really showed <clears throat> all kinds of videos in the, in the court about this. It's a huge issue. But really, in my opinion, we're in serious, serious trouble in America, ladies and gentlemen. I personally don't think Kyle should have been there with a gun in the first place. You don't roam the streets in America in riot situations with guns and expect things to go well. Okay? Now, do I think that Rittenhouse was involved in self-defense? Yes, I do. Like he did fear for his life. And this is the problem that we see. And since Charlottesville and or since the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, um, we have seen Antifa and Black Lives Matter um, involved in violence after violence after violence. They claim that the white supremacists are the violence, one in Charlottesville, and uh, all the other people are just peaceful and just getting abused by the poor Hitler-loving white supremacists. But we know from other instances, in other words, you've got to put a lot of this stuff in context, if you will. Look, the conservatives... Whenever they have an event, it's not wild, it's not crazy, it's not radical, it's not violent, it's not extreme. They're mellow. But whenever you see um, BLM and Antifa and these kind of people show up at events, they're always violent. They're taking over cities, they're threatening cops, they're getting crazy. We see this all the time, folks. And that's one thing that you need to really put to these cases, whether it be the Rittenhouse trial uh, and or the Charlottesville trial, ladies and gentlemen. you got to really kind of put it in context. And you got to really kind of understand it and think through it and go, huh, what the heck? Well, that's right, what the heck, because um, you can't just act like it's all one-sided. It's not. But you also can know which side is committing the greater, do I dare say the greater sin? <laughs> um, what do I mean by that, you say? Well, like I say, whenever you see... Black Lives Matter, Antifa show up somewhere. It goes violent all the time. There's violations of private property rights. There's damage and vandalism. You don't see that with conservatives hardly ever. In this case, though, the police literally mixed people together, creating a, a, a crisis on both sides in Charlottesville. But in the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, hey, should he have brought a gun and should he have been there? Probably not. I would not have gone. I'll tell you that right now. But was he involved in self-defense? I think it's clear that he was. In fact, when a witness who got shot literally says, I pulled a gun on Kyle, and Kyle um, responded to my gun, I don't know how um, you feel, but that to me pretty much tells the tale. Um, <clears throat> Kyle was also fleeing and being chased from what I understand. How does that happen if Kyle's the total aggressor all the time? So things aren't making sense here. But we know that Antifa, we know that Black Lives Matter, wherever they appear, there seems to be violent scenarios, right? Isn't that, you know, really the case? Anyway, so the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, we'll see what the jury comes up with. I fear oftentimes for the instructions that are given to juries. Do they know they can just flat out, one person can hang the jury and protect Kyle here? Look, if Kyle did shoot somebody when he shouldn't have, He's going to have to live with that. He'll know. He's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. But do I believe we ought to put Kyle in jail? 
uh, forever? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. So time will tell. We'll keep an eye on this ball just for you. Um, but this is serious because there's a lot of cases going on right now, folks. Our prayers are that we have honesty and integrity in the courts. And I pray the jury has the foresight, the insight to make the right decisions and have mercy tempered with justice. Isn't that the American way? This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. I can't imagine any circumstance in which the Patriot Act would be used in the circumstances uh, of parents complaining about their children, nor can I imagine a circumstance where they would be labeled as domestic terrorism. What happens when the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, appears to have lied to Congress? That's what Americans are waking up to this morning. A whistleblower has released an internal email that was dated a day before Attorney General Merrick Garland appeared before Congress in sworn testimony. Representative Jim Jordan on Fox News. He either didn't know, which is terrible, or he misled the committee when he came in front of us, and we need to have him back, plain and simple. Jurors weighing charges against Kyle Rittenhouse continue Wednesday for a second day of deliberations in his trial. Last summer, protesters became rioters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and burned the city where Mr. Rittenhouse's father lives. This is USA Radio News. There's a lot of confusion about how to protect yourself from COVID. With guidelines and regulations changing by the week, one thing is certain. You need an accurate thermometer for your family to check for fever, the leading sign of flu and COVID. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers. They have no scientific studies behind them and can miss the fever that might mean COVID. Learn more at Exergen.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. Shantae, can you sweep that, please? Mina's salon business is growing faster than she can keep up with. She needs a new shop manager before her bookings go out of style. Curtain bangs and balayage would look so good on you. Just hang on one second. Can you please answer that? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Can the federal government take away your rights all in the spirit of public health? Dr. Fauci told CBS Sunday Morning senior contributor Ted Koppel that there's a misplaced perception about people's rights superseding societal safety. That would be Dr. Fauci's opinion. Robert Kennedy Jr. spoke with Fox's Tucker Carlson. He places a lot more value on freedom. But we're lucky that there was a whole generation of Americans in 1776 who said... It would be better to die than to not have these rights written down. And they gave us that. They gave us that gift of that Bill of Rights. From the USA Radio News, West Texas Bureau, I'm Brad Bernards. While federal officials continue to limit who can receive a coronavirus booster shot, some governors are circumventing that guidance to offer COVID-19 booster shots to anyone over 18. California made the first move on November 9th, instructing health officials to trust patients to decide whether a booster is appropriate. USA Radio News. 
I am Sam Bushman, live on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Liberty Roundtable Live continues on your favorite news. The networks refuse to use talk station. We're talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial delivery. I'm sorry, deliberations begin for the jury. As uh, everybody braces for the verdict, and many people are saying it's going to go south either way. Uh, this, this is kind of the problem that I have. Again, why are we rioting in the streets, ladies and gentlemen? Why do we? Why do the? Why do this jury fear? No matter how they rule, in this case, why? Why don't we let the jury just get to the honest truth to the best of their ability? And why don't we trust the process in America? Sadly, because the process has been broken for a long time, and juries have become political and everything else. Okay, this shouldn't be a racial divide discussion. Okay, it was a cop, a white cop, that shot a black man, uh, that preceded. Uh, Rittenhouse's reality here. Um, Rittenhouse didn't kill a black man. All right. I don't know why this is tinged with racism. I don't know why this is tinged with supposed allegations of white supremacy uh, and everything else. Okay. Was Rittenhouse acting in self-defense? Yes or no is the real deal. And I submit that I believe that he was. Why do I say that? Because a witness literally says I pulled a gun on Rittenhouse and I had a gun too. Well, now I'd be shooting, saving my life if I had to as well. Now, the fact that Rittenhouse was there in the first place and that this thing was set up, uh, that you could say that's a lapse in judgment. I get it. You can even say he was looking for a fight. But that doesn't equate to murdering someone or committing a homicide or anything else. Okay, let's be very careful about what we allege, especially in these situations where there's a court case pending. Let's be very careful indeed. I believe that Kyle Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense. I think he was foolishly there. But I think he acted in self-defense. Uh, and I think the sad part about this is that he's on trial. Uh, and every time it's a conservative white guy on trial, they're the only ones that cannot show up at a peaceful assembly uh, and get away with, well, a peaceful assembly. It always turns out that, hey, somehow things go crazy. And uh, in Rittenhouse's self-defense scenario or the Charlottesville conservatives or whatever you want to call them, Unite the right, whatever word we want to use for these people. Um, they were defending themselves too, but you can't defend yourself. And we've literally documented in the news that the FBI over and over and over has let Antifa go. Black Lives Matter, go. And even if somebody gets beat up by Antifa or Black Lives Matter and they happen to be white, the FBI literally acts like they were the guilty ones. Right. In other words, what I'm saying is FBI protects Antifa and BLM big time. And there's been cases over and over to this reality. In fact, it gets so bad that FBI blatantly admits that it does not track leftist violence. Town hall with that piece, ladies and gentlemen. Think about that. The FBI doesn't track leftist violence. What the heck? Why not? I mean, the FBI, I thought, was tracking all kinds of violence. But the FBI does not track leftist violence. Why? I mean, this is seriously concerning, if you ask my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. Does it concern you? Um... I don't even know how to respond to this stuff.
where do we go with this? There's more and more and more evidence that the FBI is literally picking sides. And so when you do this, it's obvious why the blacks and the Antifa uh, and the liberals and the socialists and the communists and the Black Lives Matters and the, all these violent groups, um, we don't have a record of their violence because we don't track it. But they track the white people's violence. In my opinion, we need to track and stop all violence. I'm not interested in left-wing or right-wing violence. Are you? <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this. FBI does not track Antifa violence or radical black left. How do you respond to this kind of stuff? All right. That's what we're talking about here. Right? So think about that. That ought to be submitted, in my opinion, as part of the court case. FBI admits it doesn't track leftist violence. I mean, this is all over the news. Right? During the misnamed Summer of Love, riots, looting, vandalism, and political violence was carried out by the radical left under the literal Antifa and Black Lives Matters banners. They besieged federal property, private businesses, law enforcement. But hey, they're not even tracking it. I mean... How do you respond to this kind of stuff, folks? How do you deal with this? In my opinion, there's like 25 news sites that covers this. All right? I don't know how to deal with this. They caused all kinds of problems. Joe Biden and others turned a blind eye to the violence. For political reasons. It's a stunning display of hypocritical double standards. Believe it or not, in certain cases, Democrats even encouraged more leftist violence and belligerent, out-of-control activism. But the FBI turned a blind eye as well. And there was a congressional hearing that even talked about this. Titled Confronting violent white supremacy and um, they don't consider Antifa to be an organization and that's why they don't have specific information on the group's activities so in uh, in response to a question about how much violence or domestic terrorism Antifa has committed in recent years nothing we don't track it We don't identify groups, but individuals' actions. But see, they're painting these white supremacists as a, as a group, as an ideology. So would you qualify Antifa as an anarchist group under your subcategory? I mean, it's an anarchist group, right, said the questioner. No, they're a movement. They're not really a group. You see? 
See, that's the problem. How many open cases of anarchist violence and domestic terrorism have occurred over the last two years? Seeking any data that might quantify accountability for those who literally raised neighborhoods and violated private property rights and so on. 75 total arrests, they say. But Americans could be held under siege by Antifa and BLM for months while officials failed to address the situation. There was no concern for the massive crowds taken to the streets. Liberal mayors literally allowed what are called so-called autonomous zones that turned into festering pits of crime and filth. And now it turns out the nation's top law enforcement agency doesn't even have numbers on the groups of the violence. There you have it. What do you, what do you say to that, ladies and gentlemen? So, see, I don't know why in these cases, why the conservatives aren't putting on this reality check. I just gave you an FBI admits that it doesn't track leftist violence, townhall.com. Uh, there's a lot of research on this. During the, quote, misnamed summer of love, Riots, looting, vandalism, and political violence was carried out by radical leftists under the often literal Antifa and Black Lives Matter banners. And we just ignore it and we say, well, we don't even track that. Wow. Yeah, they literally um, had deadly outcomes to a lot of this. But the FBI says, ah, we're not really worried about it. We don't even track it. They're not even a group, whatever. I think that should be submitted as evidence, ladies and gentlemen. The conservatives, uh, the whites, whatever term you want to use to, you know, unite the right, whatever. I'm not a unite the right guy personally. I'm an American. I'm a constitutionalist. Um, I'm a freedom-loving civil leader for civility, right? But I'm telling you right now, this should be brought up when the FBI doesn't even track the leftists. But we literally have evidence under banners from these groups. Wow. Shocking, ladies and gentlemen. Well, people are standing up and not taking it. And I'll tell you who coming up in seconds. Liberty Roundtable Live. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. 
The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. gentlemen I'm watching the news real time ladies and gentlemen this is serious serious business are you ready all right here it goes prosecution caught lying in closing argument in Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial Mike Landry Western Journal with the reality check ladies and gentlemen the prosecution, in the first slide of their closing arguments, made sure that the jury saw a slide that said Rittenhouse killed two unarmed people and severely wounded a third person with an AR-15 that he knew he couldn't have. Well, you want to know the problem with that, ladies and gentlemen? The judge dismissed the charge that Rittenhouse had an illegal gun. So there you have it. And whether the prosecution is going to get caught on this reality check or not, I don't know. But what you have in my mind is a situation where the prosecution literally violating reality. So think about this. The issue comes up, a Rittenhouse had an illegal gun, 17 years old, shouldn't have had the gun. The judge dismisses that charge and says, uh-uh, that's not, we're not going to go there. Not true. Now the prosecution in their closing arguments literally says, hey, this guy shot people with a gun that he knew he wasn't supposed to have. They got caught lying in the closing arguments. Will the judge call them on the carpet or not? Or will the jury allow to be tainted? With that, now we better be very careful because the prosecution uh, in the Rittenhouse trial and in the Charlottesville trials, they want a mistrial because they want to be able to come back at them again and have a second round at them. That's part of the problem as well in these in, in these situations. Very damning, very serious, very concerning. Uh, this is going on. Anyway, I thought I'd bring that to your attention. But think about it. When the prosecution gets caught lying, when the FBI admits that it doesn't track leftist violence, riots, looting, vandalism all under the BLM and, and Antifa uh, black uh, you know banners and stuff, what the heck, folks? We've got a problem in America when we give these people credibility. Anyway, our prayers are for justice. Our prayers are for mercy for all of them. 
And I hope that people literally go to my website, callforcivility.com, and they work on civility here. This is out of control. From the hatred to the violence to the attacks uh, to the misrepresentation of the truth. You know, bearing false witness is one of the great Ten Commandments that we ought not do. And I think that's what's happening here in these cases uh, as well. What a sad tale, huh? All right, uh, enough of that. James Edwards will be with us next hour to break it down even further. All right. Uh, Oralville, California. Oralville, California, ladies and gentlemen, is an interesting place where conservative people have had enough. All right. Oroville, California, declares itself a constitutional republic. Stops enforcing states' tyrannical mandates. Abby leaving. I think that's how you say it. Abby leaving the Western Journal. Doing a great job here, and she breaks it down uh, in detail here. They're literally, they're sick of it. They can't take it anymore. And so they're pushing back. They say the state, or the governor, Gavin Newsom, by the way, that's the guy that used to be married to the girl that's now the girlfriend of Donald Trump Jr. Isn't that strange? Bedfellows? Very interesting. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, Gavin Newsom literally is creating these lockdowns and mandates, and literally the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, acting like a dictator. And he extended his tyrannical abuse uh, well into 2022, and the town went, whoa, no, stop, hold on, no. And more and more people are starting to realize this. They first asked, I'm sorry, asked for 10 days to flatten the curve, 14 days to flatten the curve, right? Now they're literally going, this is, this is just not what we're doing here. And as these governors continue to just abuse the citizenry, all under this, in my opinion, false notion of an emergency. We're not in an emergency two years later. Do we have a problem? Yes, we do. We have a problem, but it's not an emergency. Two years later, it's not that the governor has to act or the executive branch has to act because everybody's in serious jeopardy. That's not true. So the Oroville City Council adopted a resolution stating it would oppose state and federal orders that it deems to be government overreach. Amen to that. But it all comes down to the sheriff. All right, you got health restrictions imposed by the governor. There's strife between the state's Governments, rural, conservative regions. All right, the city of Oroville is about 90 miles from Sacramento, just so you know where it is. Oroville leaders explained that the designation was a way of affirming the city's values and pushing back against state rules that it does not agree with. Experts say the designation was merely a gesture and did not grant the city any new authority. No, they don't need new authority, folks. This is the problem. Who works for who here? All right. California has been the first to implement lockdowns, mask mandates, 
vaccination requirements and so on. All right, they, they've been so sick of it, they tried to recall the governor. Now, last year, Oroville refused to enforce state requirements, prohibiting indoor dining. Butte County, where Oroville is located, declined to back a mask mandate earlier this fall. They say even though cases surged. Before passing the resolution... Council members argued they were taking a stand and advocating for residents to make their own health choices. Quote, I assure you folks that great thought was put into every bit of this, the city's mayor, Chuck Reynolds, said. Nobody willy-nilly put something together to grandstand on this thing. Anyway, a rural law expert named Lisa Pruitt Uh, at the University of Davis, says it's not clear what the designation meant. A municipality cannot unilaterally declare it's not subject to the state laws of California. So whatever they mean by constitutional republic, you can't just say this hocus-pocus and make it happen, she says. Leaders in the city of 20,000 say it's an effort to push back against state government and affirm the city's commitment to the Constitution. Now, sadly, they say they put their own resolution together after they couldn't find any resolutions. They could have come to us, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, and found a great resolution. But nevertheless, again, we all got to try to learn how to work together. It's very hard. But they say we have unreasonably intrusive mandates, and it's excessive overreach by our government. Our state governor seems to be crazy. He's on a rampage. And the mandates are getting more intrusive. Now he's going after our kids in our schools. The majority of the people who spoke at the Oroville uh, City meeting spoke in favor of the resolution, applauding its introduction and calling council members heroes. Yeah. We hope by becoming a constitutional republic city, it's the best step to maintain our inalienable rights protected by the Constitution of the United States. If we don't have that, if we don't have bodily autonomy, what do we have, a speaker said in tears? What are I going to let them do to my kids? Where does it stop? Anyway, there you have it. One council member argued that mandates were political theater. And your immune system is the best defense against disease. It's the best protection against COVID-19 is vaccination, some say. But there you have it. It was a 6-1 vote. One uh, basically voted against it, saying it's a political statement. It has no teeth. But it is a common central theme in Northern California that the region is ignored and obliterated by the liberal state leaders. There you have it. Anyway, they're going to the Jefferson uh, effort to secede from California and join Oregon. But the city's gesture, they say, does not grant it more power or more ability to ignore state law. It makes the people of Oroville feel better that their city council has made this gesture. But um, they want you to know that it doesn't make any difference, they claim. I think it does make a difference. You can say, well, it doesn't have teeth. I know. But the more we start to push back, the more we start to educate, the more we start to uh, 
peacefully express our displeasure, I think the better. Right? That's really important in my, my opinion. It's important to push up. I'm sorry, push back. It's important to stand up. It's important to be on record. Okay? Because otherwise they'll go, you know what? When we push this through, nobody complained. Nobody pushed back. Nobody even. No, no, no. We are pushing back and we're showing our displeasure. And the more government ignores us, well, the more we have a Declaration of Independence claim, don't we? Okay, the Founding Fathers waited and waited and waited and waited, and they documented before a candid world uh, their claims of abuse. We're doing the same. And at some point, the Declaration of Independence justification makes sense. I don't believe we're there yet by a long shot, but I believe that's where we want to get. I believe that's where we need to focus, right? Anyway, there you have it. I thought I'd bring that to your attention. In my opinion, very good step. Even though the government and the lawyers and everybody else wants to tell you it means nothing, I disagree. It is documenting the reality of the trouble we're facing. And it's an effort to do something serious about it, isn't it? Let's be very clear there as well. All right, now 12 states announced on Monday they're suing the Biden administration to block the vaccine mandate for health care workers arguing the mandate is unconstitutional and violates several several federal laws that's good news generals from alabama arizona georgia idaho indiana louisiana mississippi montana oklahoma south carolina utah and West Virginia announced the suit on Monday, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. we got to push back. We can do so peacefully. We can hold the moral high ground and remain civil. But we need to stand up for God, family, and country. Hour one of the can. Thanks for being alongside with the ride. Hour two coming up in seconds. We declare this nation shall endure. LovingLiberty.net. God save the republic of the United States of America. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for November the 17th in the year of our Lord 2021. This is our two of two. Our goal, to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Our goal, ladies and gentlemen, to, in, a, in, in the spirit of civility, to stand for our sacred cause of liberty. We talked in detail last hour about the Rittenhouse trial 
deliberate or deliberations from the jury begins as everybody braces for the verdict. Uh, FBI admits that it does not even track leftist violence. Think about that. That ought to be in Rittenhouse's trial case. That ought to be in the Charlottesville trial case. Listen, FBI admits it doesn't even track leftist violence. During the misnamed Summer of Love, ladies and gentlemen, riots, looting, vandalism, and political violence was carried out by radical leftists under the often literal Antifa and BLM, or Black Lives Matter, banners. The violent leftists besieged federal property, private businesses, law enforcement, and private citizens with costly, deadly, and devastating outcomes. And the FBI doesn't even track it. But yet they want you to believe that the right wing, the conservatives, the white supremacists, the Hitler lovers, the who knows what they want to call you today, they're the ones that are just violent, crazy, okay? They lie. They don't even track left-wing violence. FBI flat out admits it. That ought to be in court, but I don't think it is. I don't know who's preparing these cases, but, man, I'm afraid that the, that the conservatives are going to get slaughtered because they don't even know what they're doing, it seems to me. It's insanity. Never mind the prosecution just got caught lying in the closing argument in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Yeah, Mike Landry, um, the Western Journal with the piece, and you literally have a situation where they got caught lying. Why? Well, the judge said we're not going to accept the charge that Rittenhouse had an illegal gun. So he threw it out. So we can't say that the gun is illegal or that he shouldn't have it or any of those things because it isn't true. The judge threw that out. Well, the first slide in the prosecution's delivery and closing arguments said Kyle shot these people with a gun that he knew he shouldn't have. Well, that's a flat-out manipulation of the jury if I've ever seen it. Will the judge call a halt to that con game or not? Don't know. That's the reality. Wow, ladies and gentlemen. The city of Orville, California, declares itself a constitutional republic and rejects Governor Newsom's abuses. That's an interesting statement from a city saying they're a constitutional republic and we're not tolerating this. The battle's on, ladies and gentlemen. People are peacefully standing up. In fact, 12 states sue the Biden administration. They want to protect health care workers from forced mandates. 12 states, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think that the courts are the right venue for this because if we lose, we're in real trouble. I think nullify now is a much better solution. But I digress. All right, James Edwards with me. He was with us yesterday breaking down the Charlottesville case, and he's got a whole lot more. James Edwards, well-known talk show host of the political cesspool, thepoliticalcesspool.org is the website for live and on-demand radio at your fingertips. Uh, And he's also the author of Racism, Schmacism. And he's been watching and listening to this case really the whole time. And we're talking about race, politics, and hypocrisy. Boy, howdy, when this court case comes to fruition it's hypocrisy to say the least in 21st century america ladies and gentlemen the political cesspool.org uh, james welcome back sir well sam it's great to be back with you for uh, a back-to-back uh, set of appearances here and uh, your audience may know that uh, i'm regularly scheduled with you to appear on the third wednesday of each month for the the full two-hour broadcast but uh, what happened was we decided to split it do an hour yesterday and then an hour today because uh 
during the first hour of your program today, a very good friend of mine, longtime friend, uh, was actually on uh, the stand as a witness, and uh, the Lord uh, saw fit for his uh, testimony to begin right as your show began today and to wrap up right as your first hour uh, was wrapping up. He actually just uh, exited or was uh, dismissed from the stand, and uh, they are now in a 20-minute recess there in Charlottesville. But a lot has happened. A lot has happened, Sam, in this Charlottesville, what I call a free speech trial, since we spoke 24 hours ago. And uh, when I was on your show yesterday morning, the plaintiff's attorneys were still presenting their case. It was in the 17th day of them calling their witnesses and presenting their evidence. Uh, and How many what days? They're alleging, 17? Of course, 17 court days, not counting weekends. Ow. 17 days Holy of moly. them calling witnesses and presenting their evidence. And, of course, what they're alleging is that all of the participants, all of the 5,000 people who showed up to the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, to stand in opposition of the removal of the monument dedicated to uh, General Robert E. Lee, were there to commit racial terror and came there uh, as part of a conspiracy to commit violence. Well, that's what they're alleging. And so 17 days, and to put that again into context, and I know we talked about this, uh, we talked about this yesterday, but to put it into context, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, <laughs> trial uh, went from prosecution to defense to closing arguments, and now they're in deliberation in less time than it took the plaintiff's attorneys in Charlottesville to present their uh, convoluted case, which most and of it was uh, chat Tr uh, transcripts, emails, and appearances on obscure podcasts of these people telling offensive jokes and things like that to make them look disagreeable to the jury. That was about yeah, that 15 days of it, I'd say. conspiracy to commit uh, violence or anything else or whatever we say, and unless you can directly point to those statements, somebody ought to object and dismiss all that. Well, they they did close strong. I, uh, unlike our adversaries, on, Sam, and unlike those who oppose the, us. Hold on. Did they object to all this information where they make people look disagreeable or a joke and this and that? Because it doesn't relate to proving a conspiracy to commit violence, does it? Were there a lot of objections? Uh, well, there uh, apparently it was Jermaine. There were a lot of obje objections, and the judge ruled fairly even handedly i mean I, when it comes down to the actual nuances of the law and what's admissible and what's not it's 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 a real um, it's a real slog it's it's difficult to understand and i'll give you another example in just a moment but uh, anyway that all of that was allowed they did close strong i have to say that the plaintiffs attorneys did come up with uh, some frat boy locker room talk uh false bravado saying we need to crack some skulls and and they did say some things now i I would say, just being a political observer, that this was just irreverent and uh, certainly reckless talk, but definitely not proof of a conspiracy. But for a juror, uh, when you hear that the people that have been alleged to have been coming into this with ill intent uh, saying some of these things, uh, I will say that the prosecution landed some blows in the last couple of days uh, in that regard. However, we also have to remember that there's 24 different individuals and or groups that make up this dragnet of co-defendants, and a lot of them didn't know one another. Some of them had minimal contact with one another. Some of them were friends, and it's really hard to differentiate, so they just put it all out there, and, and I'm afraid they're all uh, uh, the best of the defendants are going to be smeared by the worst of the defendants, if you know what I mean, when jury goes into deliberation. But the, anyway, we talked about that yesterday to an extent. 
the prosecution rested its case shortly before lunch yesterday after 17 days. Uh, so not long after I got off your show yesterday morning, uh, they rested their case. The defense began to present its evidence and call its witnesses. Now remember, uh, the defense is sort of a collective of all of these different individuals and groups represented by about a half a dozen different lawyers. So I figured, okay, well, it's going to take them at least a couple of weeks for all of them to go one after the another and present their uh, defense. The defense is wrapping up this morning. It literally one day of court, half a day yesterday and half a day today, by lunchtime, the defense is going to be done. And I mean all of them. Uh, that really, really, really surprised me. Say that again. This is important to understand. The prosecution went for 17 days presenting their case that this confederacy of defendants, if you will, pardon the pun, uh, were engaged in a conspiracy to commit racially motivated violence. 17 days they took. They were in a conspiracy to work together, to pre-plan, premeditated, to create this violence against these people based on a, a racial hatred context, right? Right. And remember, it's not illegal uh, to say offensive things or to uh, say things that are crude or vulgar. That's all protected free speech. That's not what was on trial here. Uh, the, the question is whether or not they conspired to commit racially motivated violence at Charlottesville uh, on August the 12th, 2017. So for 17 days, we heard this presentation from the plaintiff's attorneys, and it was a phalanx of attorneys, that had six of them, uh, taking turns. They were sort of subbing in like a hockey line would switch during the middle of a game where some of the players skate off and others skate in. I mean, it was a well-orchestrated attack. And uh, they went for 17 days. The 24 different individuals and groups represented by, again, about a half a dozen different attorneys began to mount their defense yesterday, and they will rest this morning. So One I, day I don't com- I don't comprehend for all of these different that, groups. Though, did they all, all 24 people in nine groups, did they all agree to that? Well, I mean, they, they were certainly represented by their own counsel, so you would, have, you would certainly think that the defendants and their counsel would have brainstormed and game planned. In my planned, opinion, uh, that first... is insanity, ladies and gentlemen. I've made uh, arguments myself last hour that document, for example, FBI literally admits it doesn't track left-wing violence. Townhall.com with that article, but literally we have evidence under the Black Lives Banner and the BLM, or, I mean, in the Antifa banners of committing violence and all kinds of trouble. Don't you think that you ought to at least highlight some news articles documenting that reality and saying, listen, the other side's out of control, violent too, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let them deceive you. Was that brought up, James? We'll talk about it in seconds. I'll Liberty Roundtable Live. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. 
Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be a good example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How many times do I have to tell you? I swear, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Don't you understand English? Your children are probably too polite to tell you. Hello? Those things on the side of your head aren't turnips? But they get just as frustrated when you won't listen to them as you do when they won't listen to you. Do I need to speak slower? In fact, few things show children how much they're valued and respected more than a parent's willingness to listen. Tell me what she did at work today. Studies show when parents listen, children develop better listening skills themselves. They also tend to have more self-confidence and are more likely to avoid alcohol and drugs. Now sit down here and tell me all about it. When you really listen, love is what they'll hear. Thank you for sharing that with me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. James Edwards, ladies and gentlemen, host of the Political Cesspool radio program every Saturday evening, thepoliticalcesspool.org, available every Saturday evening live, three hours of a killer content, and available anytime on demand at thepoliticalcesspool.org. With me, breaking down the Charlottesville reality, the prosecution went for 17 days. Now the uh, defendants, 24 people, nine groups, literally, I guess they're not even going to take a whole day. And they're already uh, starting, I guess they're going to rest and move on. I think it's very foolish uh, to not make a lot of points. I've highlighted one of them. Did they even highlight any of the things I'm bringing up, James? Well, the first one up yesterday was an attorney by the name of James Kalinich, who is representing Jason Kessler, who is the lead defendant and the the one after whom the the case is named. And uh, they were done in just a few minutes. And I talked to another lawyer last night unrelated to this case, and he said sometimes – if if uh, attorneys believe that in no way, shape, or form the prosecution has presented uh, a case, uh, a good case, they will uh, go quickly just to, to, to go ahead and, and, and get through it. Uh, he said, but that has never worked for him. And another thing about the timing to consider, and these are, you know, you don't want to read tea leaves in so much as like the Rittenhouse verdict. I mean, is it good that the jury went into a night of deliberations after what, you know, where a lot of people seem to be an open and shut case of self-defense. I mean, my God, you had an attorney there, one of the prosecutors saying, just because somebody points a gun to your head doesn't give you the right to shoot them. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff going on there, and they're still deliberating, so you you just don't know. But uh, this case now, and again, I was expecting a week, two weeks, uh, you know, maybe as long as the prosecution went in Charlottesville, for all of these different groups, it's not one versus one, it's nine co-plaintiffs, and again, this this collective of, of groups and individuals on the other side. So I figured, you know, they would take probably an equal amount of time, if not more, because there's more of them a day. And and as it stands now, uh, they haven't quite rested yet. Uh, they had a, a witness, as I mentioned, a friend of mine earlier today, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, and then one of the police officers who was there at Charlottesville, um, they, they called. He's already 
uh, come and gone from the stand, and uh, now they're bringing back, uh, they're recalling a couple of the plaintiffs, actually. Uh, but this is supposed to uh, wrap by lunch, and then you'll go into closing arguments. And I heard yesterday the scheduling of that, the time frame for that is going to be three hours for the plaintiffs, three hours for the defendants. Uh, and I mean, as a whole, as a group. All right. group in in my opinion, it's very and, foolish for attorneys to go ahead and say, hey, they haven't made their case, so we're going to rest. No, no, no. You as an attorney defending me, sir or ma'am, you need to make my case, which is I'm innocent until proven guilty. You need to make my case that, you know what, you may not like my rhetoric. You may not like my speech. You may not like the reason that I peacefully assembled. You may not like my prose in, in back rooms and discussions in locker rooms and on websites. You may not like that. But you got a long shot to prove that I was involved in a conspiracy to commit violence based on racial uh, viewpoints or beliefs. You may not like my racial views. You may not like me as a person. You may think I'm a, the most unsavory character on the planet. But you know what? That's a far cry from saying I literally conspired and pre-planned and premeditated worked with others to commit a conspiracy. We went and got a permit to commit a conspiracy to commit violence against, well, that other group that wasn't even part of our peacefully assemblage. They just showed up and caused conflict and trouble and violence and etc. Okay, you need to make my case like that, attorney. Well Okay, and that's, in my mind, you know, of the course, jury can be deceived very easily here. And each individual, each group needs to make their own points, their own case on this scenario. Just because they lumped it all together in one massive case, I wouldn't let that stand for a second. I'd say, hey, you've literally got nine trials or 24 trials or whatever you want to say. I would say 24 trials going on here. That's each right. individual has a right of innocence. Okay, each individual has a right of due process. Okay, and you can't pretend this is not true. And that's what they're trying to do here. And I'm telling you, the attorneys are stupid if they don't speak up boldly, nobly, and independently to highlight these realities. These are American truisms for crying out loud. James? Well, Sam, I appreciate your passion. And as a layman, I would probably agree with you. Of course, uh, this is something that I'm sure the co-defendants and their attorneys agreed on. I don't think the attorneys are going to steamroll their own their own clients. Uh, and I'm not there. I mean, I've listened to everything, but we got to understand this, this has been in the hopper for four years. This lawsuit was filed off four years ago, uh, and I'm sure they've considered every angle. And for whatever reason, I guess you'd have to assume that they considered it to be in their best interest to play it this way. But how it's going to. And another thing you got to remember is a lot of the witnesses that they could have called. Were, wouldn't appear. OK, Um they're scared, and a lot of the participants on the side of the, the people in favor of keeping the Lee Monument at the time, well, they didn't want to be a part of this because they didn't want to get doxxed. They didn't want to have be threatened, and they didn't want to lose their jobs. Well, and, and, and again, so this, very is difficult, that think, made clear, this is a point that ought to be made clear before the jury. And you can even have some affidavits from people that are saying, I don't want to go. I don't want to testify. I'm scared. I don't want to be. Oh, I'm afraid I'll be doxxed. I'm afraid I'll be outed or ridiculed or mocked or it'll affect my job or this and that. You can just you know get 10 affidavits together saying, look, this is it. And you make that point as well. What is the other side doing well, I, with their guilty intimidation it. and abuse going on here? And I'm watching I'm it right about. now on social media. And everybody that comes up, you've got Antifa activists posting any information they can find on them. 
And I saw this with my friend Rich Hamblin. Rich Hamblin's been a longtime friend of mine, longtime listener of, of my radio program. And, and through that, he's come to our events, and we've grown very close. Uh, he and his wife, uh, you know, he's an older gentleman uh, um, in his 60s, 70s. But he and his wife have become close personal friends, and so we know them well, and we spend time with them, and, and, and they with us. And so I certainly wanted to hear his testimony today. And he, he was interesting because he actually – uh, there was video footage of him that appeared in an HBO uh, documentary uh, on Unite the Right, and uh, it, it shows him getting beaten in the back of the head. And there was a motion by the defense attorney, the uh, the prosecution or the plaintiffs' attorneys, not to allow the video showing that because it was unsubstantiated. Well, I mean, how's it unsubstantiated when you have the man who was getting beaten <laughs> right there to uh, verify its authenticity? The judge did allow it to to go on. Uh, and then there was some mudding of the waters. Well, uh, the, the, the person got hit by by Rich's flagpole before she started beating him in the back of the head. It was actually a woman, if you can believe it. And uh, well, it, but of course, the, 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 the whole chain of events, which they wanted to leave out, is that she was trying to to rip his flag from him. And he jerked back to try to prevent her from doing that and at that point she got struck in the head but she initiated the the engagement in any event but that that was just one case where he, now, he on, is walking on, back on, trying on. to leave hold on you're telling me there's video from charlottesville showing rich hamlin being punched by a protester is in the, the back of the head of correct well yes. um and How not only that... is there video, not only not... is there video of it, Sam. The video appeared in an HBO documentary that that uh, you, you can you can watch it. It's on Netflix even. I okay, watched so it on question, Netflix again just a few days ago. The, did that get played in court? It did. All right, that ought to affect. They did. The, the judge did understand. The judge did allow it. Well, then the, the, the plaintiff's attorneys tried to muddy the water saying, well, uh, was she hit with your flagpole before she started hitting you in the back of the head? And, and the answer was yes. But, of course, the reason for that was she came up behind him and tried to uh, tear his flag and rip it from his hands. And he jerked back. And at that point, you know, she, she was hit. But, I mean, she engaged the uh, the the confrontation or the. Uh, the, the well, and then you got to basically cross-examine and say, you know what, she might have been hit by the flag, but was that intentional or was that just a, a response to someone attacking you from behind? That's right. Well, did they drill into that? That was brought up, and that was brought up, and no, no, that that was brought up. But I mean, I, I, of course, the 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 purpose of of the question even being considered was just to muddy the waters with the jury. But that that was allowed. And but this 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 is the thing. Rich Hamblin was the only person who was there. Uh, out of the 5,000 people who were there that came and agreed to to go to the stand uh, and risk it, who was not a, a, a co-defendant. You know, that's in, that's incredible. So, again, we're talking about all the people who were there. Now, again, 5,000 people, and, and yeah, I'm on. sure you had people there with, with Ill, bad intent. A lot of good people. Let me stop too. you there, though. And he's the one Rich of them. Hamblin being the only one to testify, not in the case, but being willing to tell the truth from their point of view, being the only one, that alone should be made as a point by the defendant's attorney. He's the, oh, let me put it this way. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, let me, let me put it even more clear. He was the only one of the many, many, many Unite the Right participants who had violence visited upon them unprovoked, unprovoked, uh, that, that agreed to, to go, who was not already named as a defendant in this, in this case. Yes. Only one. One.
right. Now we had several. And, people and the reason there. is what what I'm hearing is people were just scared of again of of the threat of being doxxed and, and and having people show up at their homes or whatever. Like you know, like well, seen here's what I time. would say. I would say some people need to get to get grow a pair. For crying out loud, ladies and gentlemen, no wonder we got the crisis in America we have. Nobody has any guts anymore. Come on now. Dox me. Go right ahead. Good luck. Liberty Roundtable live. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Jury deliberations in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial continues Wednesday. Protesters demanding conviction are attempting to sway the jury with loudspeakers and boisterous comments. Many law experts say the prosecutors failed to deliver a case the jury can convict on. Journalist David Webb on Fox News says he's seen this mob mentality before. I saw this in Ferguson. I was there the night the verdict came down outside the police station in the firehouse. And throughout the trial, they did the same thing in St. Louis. They tried to turn the jury. Good jurors won't go for this. Good jurors have the law. The House will vote Wednesday on a resolution that both censures Republican Representative Paul Gosar of Arizona and strips him of two committee assignments. Gosar is facing censure for his posting of a cartoon video on his Twitter and Instagram accounts showing the death of Democrat Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York and attacking President Biden. USA Radio News. COVID is spiking again, and it's just not clear how to keep your family safe. Fever is the leading symptom of COVID, and the only way to reliably detect it is with an accurate thermometer. Be vigilant and be accurate with the Exergen Temporal Scanner, whose accuracy has been proven in more than 100 clinical studies. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers. They are proven to be inaccurate and will not reliably detect a fever that might mean COVID. Learn more at exergen.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. Just in time for Christmas, Mike Lindell has dropped the price of the standard classic MyPillow, regularly $69.98 to $19.98. Now, queen and king size slightly higher, but that price includes a free press and pack bag so you can take your MyPillow with you anywhere. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use my promo code USA, or call 1-800-951-8175. Support Mike Lindell and American Jobs and give MyPillow for Christmas. Although the border is wide open to anyone wanting to enter the United States, Department of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas says the fault lies on a broken border system. Our immigration system is broken. That's according to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. During a Senate hearing on Tuesday, Mayorkas testifying that the Biden administration is doing what they can to handle the border crisis. Republican Senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, disagrees. Has Kamala Harris been down to see the Biden cages, this facility? Um, Yes or no? uh, The vice president was at the border. Has she been down to see this facility? I know she went to El Paso. Has she seen the Biden cages? They are not cages. The Texas senator also asking if President Biden has been to the border, to which Mayorkas said no. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. Be sure to visit us at usaradio.com. We are USA Radio News.
I submit to you the issue is honesty. My fellow Americans, uh, you heard at the bottom of the hour news break. That's why we carry the mainstream news, ladies and gentlemen. I get that they're not really our super friendly. Uh, but we get information about what's going on for the mainstream press real time that's, I believe, uh, very helpful. Uh, and uh, so what you got is now you got protesters literally outside the court case in the Rittenhouse trial trying to manipulate the case, trying to change the outcome right now. You heard that at the bottom of the hour news, ladies and gentlemen. You got to ask yourself a question on that. You really do. You got to say, what on earth is going on here? Why are the cops allowing these people to run around and commit these belligerent protests? And now they say the headline protesters clash outside as the jury deliberates. What on earth is going on, James? I, I was uh, scribbling a note <laughs> as I heard that bottom of the hour news break as well. So, yes, I mean, you've got that going on. We saw it, of course, with the Chauvin trial and they got the result that they wanted. And and so it's been a, pro- a tactic that's been proven to work. And so you've got it now in Kenosha. Uh of course, absolutely, and and they're there for no good reason. They're they're not there because they 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 care and they are concerned. They want to intimidate. They want to threaten. And if the verdict doesn't go the way they want, who would be surprised if they didn't start torching the city like we saw in in uh, uh, over a hundred cities uh, during the summer of 2020? And you you're gonna you you have that as well here in Charlottesville. Now, what I mean by that is. Um, there aren't people outside the courtroom in Charlottesville, but you do have the societal pressure. People know, hey, I'm supposed to rule against these guys, and how much that will impact and affect the jury, we'll see. I heard the guy in the news break say, well, good jurors, don't let that affect them. I mean, come on. These are regular people. These are uh, – these are these are uh, <laughs> they're as susceptible to pressure as anybody else. I mean, they're not doing this professionally. They're jurors, and they don't want to – I mean, they're not who, – who wants to have violence uh, you know, visit them at their home? And, and believe me, uh, their identities will be revealed. It'll be leaked, and somehow it'll get out there if it goes badly. Now, um, back to Charlottesville, I did want to say this. Uh, the, the timing of it, we talked about reading the tea leaves. Is it good or bad that they're still deliberating in, in, in Kenosha? In the Rittenhouse case, I I talked about this with an attorney as well, uh, and he agreed with what you and I were saying on the show yesterday. The fact that these huge cases separated by three different states and even different years, the Arbery case in Georgia, the Charlottesville case uh, that we've been talking about, and, of course, the Kyle Rittenhouse case, that they all (laughs) go into session uh, at, at approximately the same day. Uh, certainly this, within the same week, and they're all you know, racing towards a conclusion at the same time. Uh, he said there is just no way uh, that that's uh, done by accident. Now, uh, going into closing arguments, though, maybe I have to hope that some of these attorneys for the defendants um, have saved their silver bullet for the closing arguments. It is very interesting that the Heafy report, we keep talking about the Heafy report, um, this is, again, the official report of the events of that day commissioned by the government of the city of Charlottesville. They selected a former federal prosecutor uh, to compile this report. He was their handpicked guy, and what he said was the violence came from the counter-demonstrators. That would be the Antifa and the Black Lives Matter associated crew that was there to oppose the um, the 
the defendant. Um, and I have not heard that being brought up once, which leads me to believe that I may have missed where it must have been uh, in, inadmissible. But there, if, if a juror can think, uh, the cops sat and watched the violence that day. There's hours and hours and hours of video evidence that shows people beating the hell out of each other, very violent, and cops just standing within feet with their arms crossed and just watching. That was done on purpose. They were obviously told. I mean, no cop would do that on his own accord. I mean, at least you would hope not. Obviously, they were told. And so for this to be a conspiracy, hold on, hold on. Here's stop, one thing stop. you have to consider. That's not only would they not do that by themselves, um, and you would say at least you would hope not, if they did do that by themselves without a higher authority demanding they stand down, then I would hold the cops involved in criminal activity and sue the cops uh, and have accountability for the cops well, you know, you, And if it's really not from on high or above them, in other words, the police departments should be holding their own cops to account if they're not doing the job that they were hired and mandated to do. If it's not from higher level, then you know what? Higher level, hold them accountable. If you, if this you is not see something that you can gloss over, getting James. Getting beaten. You, you're, you're a cop, and you're within a couple of arm's lengths of people getting very violently beaten and projectiles being thrown into into groups uh, trying to 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 retreat and to to get out of there you know this goes back to the whole nazi thing where hey just following orders was the was the defense well it didn't work for them why is it uh, working here so even if and, and obviously i mean not every single cop in charlottesville would have idly stood by i mean obviously they were told to do that uh but even even so is that a defense i mean as a cop you, you, you're supposed to, because some higher authority says, hey, I don't care if people are getting beaten to death. You better not step in. We want this to look as bad as it can so we can smear these guys later. And that's, I think, clearly what was going on. I don't have evidence of that, but why else would cops, uh, you know, sit back and, and watch? But th this this goes to the whole heart of the case, I think, Sam. So, again, the allegation is that these co-defendants conspired to go to Charlottesville and commit racially motivated terror. Well, Okay, let's just say that they did for argument's sake. How could they have anticipated that the cops would have allowed them to do that? To 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 say that they conspired and, and how could hold on, how could they, they anticipate that the other hold on, how could they anticipate that the other side would show up? How could they anticipate that the cops would allow it? How would getting a permit foster that narrative? None of it makes sense. Well, I, I will say this. I mean, they, they, they knew that the Antifa was going to be there because of monitoring social media. And Antifa had been so violent and, and continued to be violent well beyond 2017. I think they knew there was a, a, a I think they knew Antifa was going to be there. It was all over their, their social media. And I think that there was a pretty good chance they could have anticipated that Antifa was going to be violent. Because yeah, that's, but I went that's to event, I mean, I went to an event when I went to an event when they um, declared a constitutional county in Nevada. And we were told that Antifa was going to be all over it and BLM was going to be all over it. And we thought they might, but we didn't know. And it turned out none of them were there. So I don't know that you even can say well, you know, you know that. Well, it's a little that bit different. In, well, it's a little bit different, I would say, in, 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 in rural Nevada. That's not necessarily an Antifa stronghold. In this case, it was just such a honeypot. It dealt with the Confederate monument. It dealt with, you know, some of the leaders uh, of I the understand. Right. I'm just, I'm and, just and saying, though, college town. Your, your opinion that something may they happen know based for on sure. what you see doesn't mean that it's going to be. And it also doesn't mean that there'll be enough That's of them right. I mean, and they, or they that they'll be violent. They couldn't have known that for sure. That's correct. I mean, obviously. Uh, good, better than average odds that they were going to be there and there was going to be some fisticuffs if the cops allowed it. Now, there are literal Klan groups, you know, even even the actual operating Ku Klux Klan 
has the right to uh, obtain a permit and to to do something in a, in, a, in a public park or in front of a courthouse. And and you see from time to time some of these small clan groups, uh, and and they have counter demonstrators as well. But the police have always kept it at bay, which you would expect pe- uh, p- police to do. In this uh, incident, it was not the case. And I'm just saying, for them to have conspired. Uh, for there to be violence, and they were going to be the aggressors. By they, I mean the defendants. They would have had to have thought, well, the only way we're going to be able to pull this off is if the police allow it. Nobody could have expected the police to stand down. So that, I think, that alone blows the whole conspiracy thing out of the water. Nobody, could, even if they had a conspiracy, there's no way they could have pulled it off uh, unless they thought that the police were going to allow it. And um, and they were outnumbered. So. <laughs> another reason you probably don't want to engage you to you know uh, take the battle to to an army who's more sizable than you but uh i i think that um nobody could have predicted what happened and if you couldn't have anticipated that uh, you wouldn't have engaged in some sort of a conspiracy it would have never been allowed there you have it ladies and gentlemen these cases are very telling uh, about your First Amendment, though, ladies and gentlemen, because what they're really trying to do uh, is basically make it seem like anybody who doesn't have viewpoints that agree with yours is an enemy and literally doesn't have any right to speak, to assemble, uh, to have a redress of grievances, uh, etc. Those are three out of the five guarantees in the First Amendment. You, you literally don't have that anymore if you're white, if you're male. Uh, if you believe in any conservative values, if you use the controversial word constitution, uh, you don't have, if you believe in your right to keep and bear up, you don't have any real rights left. They're all on the chopping block. And um, you're likely to get thrown in jail. This is the narrative from Donald Trump it, all the way down to Ammon Bundy to now these 24 defendants, James. If, for anybody paying attention, if this goes sideways for the defendants, and again, the defense did a good job of making them look bad with a bunch of uh, offensive talk and vulgar vulgar words, but there there was at least a handful in the last couple of days of absolute, undeniable spoken words where the defendants said, yes, I said that, where, you know, again, I don't take it seriously, but that, that there, you know, it, it did happen. In any event, if you're paying attention, if this goes badly for them, you're going to say, well, I don't want to stand up and defend my constitutional rights. I could end up like these guys in Charlottesville. There will be a slap lawsuit. I could lose everything. I'm not going to stand up for the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, or anything else. That and that's the why witnesses won't even come to their that's defense and tell the truth now. Liberty Roundtable Live. Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, one of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting, I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know... We're about reducing the number of abortions. We're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services. I was shocked. So to since this. you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay. Abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They right. are the largest single abortion provider in our country.
as a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, a video from Charlottesville shows Richard A. Hamblin being punched by a protester, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and Rich was not in the case, really. He was at Charlottesville, and he got beat up or abused in Charlottesville to some degree. But yet um, he was the only one that had the guts to testify. Uh, others didn't. And that's why we're in trouble in America, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody has the guts to stand up anywhere at all anymore. Of course, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the communists and socialists, they stand up everywhere. They get hostile. Congressmen and senators uh, that carry the communist agenda literally blatantly speak out to be violent. But that's okay. No accountability for them because the FBI doesn't track any of that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, but anyway, Rich takes the stand. Let's get kind of a summary of what happened when he took the stand. Uh, and then I want to get to this Georgia case before the end of the hour. So we got to hurry, James. Uh, well, uh, he was on the stand for exactly an hour, and it was split almost down the middle, 30 minutes of uh, the League of the South attorney asking him questions about what happened, and then 30 minutes of uh, the plaintiff's attorneys trying to muddy the waters by saying, well, you, your flagpole did hit her before you were tackled and beaten in the back of the head. Well, he didn't put it like that, but uh, as, as, as alleging basically or, or basically just trying to confuse people to say, well, actually, okay, well, he hit her first. Well, no. She came up grabbed the flag that's what engaged the incident and uh, it was basically just back and forth questions about who started it who done it type of thing but i will say this about rich he appointed himself very very well uh, very polite very respectful very steady very poised uh the prosecution asked him do you are you a white nationalist sir and he said no sir i'm a southern nationalist and he said uh, well does the, your southern nation include blacks and he said yes sir <laughs> which, which, you know <laughs> Where do you go after that? Uh, it didn't it wasn't quite the gotcha that they uh, had hoped, and uh, he just did a very good job. Proud to know him. Uh, proud to to always stand shoulder to shoulder with men like that, and and obviously men like you, Sam, who show courage under fire and stand up and stand for what's right, regardless of uh, uh, what may come from uh, that action. Uh, I, I just saying, I want to sixty seconds to say this again. It needs to be repeated. Do not say, even jokingly, things that you don't want read back in court. I've said that just about every time I've talked about this case. Number one, you don't even need to be thinking about violence or hoping for violence or hoping for this or that. But even in jest, uh, don't ever, ever speak it, write it. Uh, 
don't say it in, in private, in public. Uh, that has really hurt these people, I think. It could hurt them. Uh, but uh, And it's going to come down to whether the jury knows that, hey, this was just basically irreverent uh, shock talk. Obviously, these people didn't go there with the intent. These people don't have records, okay? These defendants aren't hard, hardened thugs. Uh, that uh, have a rap sheet a mile long that could have pulled off some conspiracy or wanted to engage. Yeah, but the other side does, buddy. If you dig into it and you're willing to track it, FBI, just saying. Well, that's right. But again, and even if they did, the idea that the police would have allowed it was unconscionable until after the fact. Now, I will say this, though. The um, After the prosecution grinded down the jury for 17 days and we talked about how fast and whether or not that's a good strategy or not we'll we'll soon find out the defense basically wrapping up it's it's uh, the collective defense wrapping up in a day the timing of this is going to be after closing arguments and let's hope that the defendants attorneys have some something that they haven't shown yet maybe a rhetorical nuclear bomb in their in their arsenal for closing arguments but that's going to put the jury going into the deliberations around friday and I can guarantee you they don't want to come back on the Monday of Thanksgiving week. So I hope it's not a case where they just say, okay, let's levy out some punishment and dole it out and get home and start cooking the turkey. Uh, it's just hard to say. Well, they're going to have a hard time they're cooking gonna, the turkey, ladies and gentlemen, because there's a daggum turkey shortage going on. Yeah, Thanksgiving 2021. <laughs> yeah, with it comes a turkey shortage. You're going to have a tough time getting a frozen turkey, they say. That's just part of the way they're going to abuse you because of the cocoa. Everything's a shortage now, even turkeys, man, because of the COVID, you know? Crazy stuff. All right, well, let's talk it's about not a the. Lie. I, I had to go to. I went to three different supermarkets to find a turkey, and I was damn happy I found one. I never had to do <laughs> that right. before. Yeah, that's right. Because of the COVID, you can't have a turkey, buddy. You know? That's right. The next they time got you got to grow your own turkey in your backyard, my friend. All right, we're talking about the killing of, I don't know how you say this guy's name, Amal. Arbery in Georgia. Uh, that's a trial that's going on right now, too. And it's as we've mentioned over and over, it's, it's, it's very strange that all these cases are culminating at the same time, but they are. Uh, do you have any uh, knowledge or information on that uh, trial as well? You know, uh, that trial would have been something I, I followed very closely. I know that there is a lot of contention over the fact that uh, there are 11 white jurors and one black juror um, in, in that particular uh trial that involves three white men uh, who um, ended up shooting Ahmad Arbery, who was suspected of being a burglar, and they followed him uh, and tried to do sort of like a citizen's arrest or just to, to, to keep an eye on him until uh, the police got there. But he approached one of the, the people uh, who, who had a gun and tried to wrestle the gun from him, and that's when Arbery got shot. So that, that that's what happened. That's the, the, the facts of the case. Now, the reason why there's 11 white jurors and one black is because the blacks that were in the jury pool all flunked their jury questionnaire. They said they could not be objective, and if they were put on the jury, they were going to um, – uh, rule to convict no matter what the evidence said I mean, so I mean, if you say that you're, you're not going to get selected and 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 that's what i heard has happened i've heard that from an attorney so i'm taking his word for it i don't know that for a fact uh, but that would seem to uh add up because uh it, it is unusual in a southern state for there to to, to be such a disproportionate uh, you know, jury uh, if, if you were in you know inner city detroit or something maybe it would be all black i don't know 
Uh, but that, that that's what's going on there. I, I think, you know, this is going to be a difficult case because, you know, did they have the right to follow this guy? Uh, were they threatened? Do you have the right to hold a guy you know, at gunpoint until the police arrive? Okay, those are serious questions. I don't know. Uh, it wasn't their property that they were protecting. It's very similar, honestly, Sam, to the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. And I think the only difference is Kyle Rittenhouse shot white people and the, the people in Georgia shot black people. And I think that's going to make it much more difficult. I think if Kyle Rittenhouse had shot black people, all of these conservatives that are uh, defending him, and, and again, rightfully so, based upon the facts, I think they would drop have dropped him like a hot potato and uh, – uh, you could just send him into that uh, trial with a cigarette and a blindfold. I don't think he would have a chance if he had shot blacks because of the threats of violence that would come if he had been acquitted. I think it's going to be much more difficult in Georgia for these people to get off. Uh, but again, if Arbery had not approached them and tried to wrestle the gun, it, it, it wouldn't have happened. That's how I understand that case to be. But that that is another case like uh Rittenhouse and like Charlottesville that are taking place simultaneously and all scheduled to wrap you know nearly the same time the defense has already gotten up in the case of arbery and and, and rittenhouse they're they're go they're in jury deliberation now and in charlottesville uh closing arguments are going to start either today or tomorrow that it's all it's uh, all happening uh um, concurrently all right well i got good news to you in the hour ladies and gentlemen y'all struggling to get your turkeys there uh joe's gonna kill one at the white house you know wait he's gonna save one at the white house isn't he okay you won't get a turkey, but they're going <laughs> to save one at the White House. You feel good about that? All right, well, there's a good, here's a good news story well, you know, for you, ladies and gentlemen, to end the hour. Yeah, Here yeah. it is, James. Grandmother accidentally invites a stranger to Thanksgiving dinner. Years later, he's still a welcome guest. <laughs> Gabriella Miranda with USA Today has the piece, and what's interesting is I guess this grandmother by mistake texted the wrong guy. She thought she was texting her grandson and saying, hey, we're hoping you're coming for Thanksgiving. He writes back and he says, you're not my grandma. Am I still welcome to come and have a plate? <laughs> and she writes back and says, of course, that's who we are. That's what we do. We're Christian. By all means, come over. Years later, he's still going to Thanksgiving with him. Kind of a cool story. How about that? <laughs> there you know, is like some good in America, ladies and gentlemen. Now, by the way, I don't even know if they're white or black or any of those kind of things. And I don't care, James. I'm just saying that was a cool story. Now, that's right, and I like to close shows. It's 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 hard to get through a couple of hours. Uh, I, and I, I typically do this on my program, or at least I do it regularly. I'll bring on something of lighter fare to, to close a show, just to sort of uh, um, a palate cleanser, a mental palate cleanser. You go to these fancy restaurants, they give you a little sorbet in between the appetizers and the main uh, uh, dish, and they call that a palate cleanser. You, you need a little mental palate cleanser from show to show. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to bring that up because it's a kind of a good news story. I'm not really happy about the turkey shortage. I don't really know what that's all about, except we're seeing this everywhere, right? Um, but I do really want people to realize that, you know what? This is America. We've got a lot of problems in the country, no doubt about it. But you know what? It's the greatest place in the world. And people are not leaving on boats. People are not leaving the country. Even the celebrities that claim they're going to leave when something they don't like happens, they still stay because they know what we know, that this is a God, family, country, nation, that America is still a light on a hill. Now, we got a lot of problems and we got things to solve. There's no doubt about it. But you know what? When grandmother accidentally invites a stranger to Thanksgiving and he says, yeah, you're not really my grandma, but can I come and have a plate anyway? 
And she says, of course, we're Christians. That's what we do. And he goes, believe it or not. And now years later, he still goes to Thanksgiving. He basically posted it on Twitter, the invite, and said, this is incredible. And he went over five years ago, and he's still going to their Thanksgiving dinner. He says, they're wonderful people. And I think that's what we need in America, a little more of that, ladies and gentlemen. A little more healing, a little more love, a little more kindness, a little more civility, a little more step back from the brink of just all-out craziness. We can do some good. Uh, So if you can't serve turkey, serve ham. And invite uh, uh, somebody who needs love and needs support and needs, uh, you know, and have Thanksgiving and be grateful. Grateful indeed for the greatest country on the face of the earth. And grateful that we can share that light on a hill with all nations everywhere, that even in a, in a situation where uh, they're using the pandemic to abuse us all, even in a situation where your free speech and all your five guarantees in the First Amendment are under fire, that good can happen. And it starts with you and me. James, you get the last word, sir. Well, thank you, Sam, for sharing that story. I, I have been sitting here with a smile on my face for the last couple of minutes. I may need to get that, uh, that lady's phone number, <laughs> text her myself. But no, uh, I, I said we couldn't find turkeys. I had to go to three different spots, and my wife needed a 10 to 15 pound turkey. We don't have a particularly big extended family coming over, just a few people. And I couldn't. Uh, the only one I could find was a 25-pounder. So uh, my wife's going to have to put that bad boy in the oven tomorrow to have that ready by next Thursday. But uh, we're looking forward to it. And I would say this, since this will be our last time to talk on Liberty Roundtable before Thanksgiving, read George Washington's original Thanksgiving proclamation. That is the America that we seek to restore. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, George Washington is also known for the uh, little booklet Rules for Civility. And uh, I'm working on Call for Civility. So bright minds think alike is the real takeaway from the broadcast today. Our prayers are for justice and mercy in the courts. Our prayers are for honor and integrity in the courts. Our prayers are that we really remember that innocence is the case until proven. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, guilty, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. That's our take. Two hours in the can. Hopefully it was educational. Uh, Some of it may be a little entertaining. Kind of rough stuff, but we must break it down for you honestly, openly, and as fairly as we possibly can. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's why it's called news the networks refuse to use. James Edwards, Sam Bushman. We declare... We the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, can and will restore America. But you got to get involved, make it a great day, find a turkey, and choose the right, will you? God save the Republic of the United States of America.